Hey, it's Dr. Michael Rich, the Mediatrician. I'm a practicing pediatrician, a child health researcher, and a lifelong filmmaker who understands how powerfully screens engage and change us all. As a doctor who takes care of kids and works with them every day, I understand that they are struggling with the screens in their lives, from smartphones to televisions, and their parents are concerned that this may be affecting their physical, mental, or social health. So what I'm trying to do for you here is to bring these two worlds together to really understand how we can raise healthy, happy, productive children in a world filled with digital screens. Mediatrics educator Christelle Lavalley joins me here each week to address your questions. Yes, I do. Thanks so much, Michael. So today we have a mom, Taylor, from Beverly, Massachusetts, who writes, My 16-year-old son loves playing role-playing games on the internet. We recently became concerned, though, when we found out that the plots often involve torture. We are wondering why he is attracted to this kind of play and if there are any long or short-term risks that we should know about. We wonder if we should totally restrict his internet access, but realize that this is not truly a realistic option. We do our best to keep the lines of communication open, but we need some guidance as to how to talk about our concerns with him. So, Michael... I feel like there are actually a lot of games out there that involve torture, even when it's not like part of the main mission of the game, something that you need to accomplish. You can just go off as a character and, and shoot someone or kill them or just kind of as a sideline. And I never have understood the appeal of this, but clearly there is one because these games are some of the most popular games on the market and everyone is playing them. So what advice can you give Taylor when it comes to her son and his playing of these types of games with such disturbing content? Well, I'm sure that seeing her son engaged in this kind of play was viscerally alarming and upsetting for Taylor. And Taylor, your impulse to talk to him about it is right on. But your discussion needs to be driven by reason, not emotion. And it's going to be very hard for you to control the emotion here. But if you come down hard on him in an emotional way, it can backfire. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It can be so hard to control shock and your reaction to something upsetting. I can't imagine what that would feel like walking into a room and your son is you know, beating someone up, even virtually. I don't think any mom would want to have that be that situation, be in that situation. It's helpful for us all to remember that kids, indeed, actually all of us, are drawn to media violence because it scares, alarms, or upsets us. And with kids, they're trying to master a troubling experience. But these are some of the most popular and successful games and even movies and television because violence appeals to a very primal part of us and is something that you can sell around the world that is not dependent on language or culture. Survival, we all share. And it sells because it is everywhere. It does sell. And it is always about who has the upper hand, who prevails. And so there are really two things going on here. One is violence against another person. And in the case of torture, there's the issue of controlling that other person and having them be helpless to resist you. Mm, it's uh -huh. not a fair fight, if you will. Okay. Um, and so, as a teenager, not only does he have that primal attraction-repulsion relationship with violence, uh, but, but as a teenager, he's also 
trying to figure the world out, and the world seems very chaotic and hard to control and hard to understand. So that aspect of control of another human being actually is kind of attractive and something that he wants to manage because he's seeking to control the chaos of his world. But we have to understand that it's not pathological or problematic for him to engage in it necessarily, okay. but to repeatedly engage in it again and again, where they are rehearsing and practicing what the psychologists call behavioral scripts, they can become desensitized to it, both in the virtual world, but actually in the real world as well. And this is a big problem with exposure to media violence. It's actually a much bigger problem than those kids who were concerned will go out and do harm to others. And it's the fact that they get desensitized and are less that likely numbing. a numbing that effect. That numbing effect, yeah. And they're willing to accept violence in their world and allow it to happen. Okay, so those are excellent points, and I'm I'm totally on the same page with you. But I just I also want to bring it back because not all teens are playing these kinds of torture games. I mean, I look at you know my brother and I growing up, we were super happy playing Mario Kart, no torture. So what should Taylor know in terms of why these particular games are really appealing to her son? Well, I think you know adolescence is a time of big emotions, big feelings, big drama in their lives, and this control issue is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that he needs to master these feelings, and those feelings are part fear, part dominance, a desire for dominance, certainly. That control an, that you were talking about an before. An issue of trying to yep. control his world. And so he's, you know, basically creating virtual scenarios and playing them out. Interesting. Um, and, and the question is, as it has been argued by some people, is this cathartic, as in does it get it out of his system by doing it in a game, or does it simply desensitize him? It's the idea of a release. Exactly. Like this is his outlet. And there are people who argue this, um, but repeatedly the studies that have been done in a good, rigorous way have shown that desensitization is what occurs, not catharsis. It makes it more normal. And so it's not about the extremes, it's about the center being moved and the oh. bulk of the population accepting violence, accepting control, accepting torture as an okay thing. That's so interesting and important to remember. And I think that that's good background information for Taylor to have. Taylor, I really hope that this is helping you out. But I also want to help Taylor, Michael, by, you know, what can she say to her son? You know, because this, again, like, she needs to be able to actually communicate with him because this is happening and she, you know, it, it's problematic. Yeah, I think the fact that she's talking to him about it all is a great foundation. And th I think talking about it, not just, I hate the torture in your games, but to more broad to broaden the conversation and say, let's talk about your game. Let's think about how you play this game, what is happening in the game, how you feel when you're playing the game, and not to cut him off so much from his internet access, but to help understand it. Let him and explain. Exactly, and that will help him understand it. So these may be feelings and drives that he doesn't quite know because he doesn't articulate them. But in talking with him, 
it kind of forces him to articulate them, to have some insight and to understand and to help him, you know, work either with Taylor, his mom, or even with a therapist to work through these problems um, that he's struggling with and that all adolescents struggle with to one degree or another um, and do it in a way that is open, transparent, and sharing rather than punitive. I love that. And I, th- I think finding a healthy outlet is so important. And therapists can be incredibly helpful in guiding kids to better options, especially if Taylor doesn't feel so so equipped, as you said. And one way to help this dialogue occur is to make sure that his computers, laptops, consoles, or other devices on which he is gaming are happening in public spaces, in the family living room or even the dining room but not during meals. Um, <laughs> Important. But in a place, in a place where it is expected that others will be, mm-hmm. um, not so much to monitor him, but to have him recognize that he's part of a community, and to not fall into that very narrow focus that games insist on, hmm. um, but to really understand that mom may be walking by behind you and seeing you torture somebody. <laughs> so. I I think that the discussion piece of what Taylor needs to bring in is going to be part of the hardest part for Taylor. And not only because of the subject matter, but just because the teen gamers that I know, Michael, if you are not in that world, it is like a one word response. Like if I'm asking them about their, like the game, they just, they write me off, right? Because I'm not in it. I don't know. So they're like, yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to get. So how can we kind of have Taylor kind of get that out of her son. Well, the reason you think they give you one-word answers is you're not a gamer. Exactly. When two two gamers get together, when they get together, they're going off and they're talking and talking. So (laughs) that is the way that Taylor can get into his world. She has to become a gamer? Sit down. Well, maybe she'll never become (laughs) as good a gamer as he is. He'll run rings around her. But (laughs) simply by sitting next to him, and trying to play the game, becoming his student in the game, um, lowers his defenses, lowers the, you know, sort of finger-wagging mom thing, you're doing the wrong thing, yeah. and saying, teach me how to do this. But it also allows her to bring in her more mature executive functions of impulse control, future thinking, what we used to call the superego or conscience, and start a dialogue with him, not from a punishing perspective or a disciplinary perspective, but from an, I want to understand, I want to you to teach me what it is about this game. And so, I want you to ask him about the game. Have him explain what's going on in it. Have him show you how to control things and make things happen. And listen to him, most importantly. Yeah. Listen to what drives him. And see what he finds exciting about it. And then also ask okay, how do you think the other person feels? The person who is being tortured. Oh, that how character. How would it be would, to be that character? Yeah. Because invariably these games are ones where you are the aggressor, where you are the strong one. And help broaden his empathy for all the players in the game and have him, you know, talk about it to find things that excite him in the game and maybe transpose them into other games, either in the virtual space or out in the big world, Hmm. right? So 
Maybe he seeks to compete, so take up running, something of that nature, martial arts. Um, That way you can actually make a competition out of that violence, but to do it in a way that's controlled, aware, self-disciplined. I like that. And I I really like what you said, Michael, about, you know, Taylor kind of meeting her son where he's at right now. Again, you know, becoming that gamer, at least using his language to kind of communicate with him and understanding a little bit more. He'll make a lot of fun of her, though. (laughs) She has to be prepared for the fact that he's going to beat her pants off at the game and he will give her all kinds of hard time about how bad she is. (laughs) Taylor, definitely have some thick skin going into this. But I I really like that you're going to be, you know, instead of judging him from the outside and imposing rules, entering his world and understanding him better and kind of working through it together. And he'll be much more receptive to what you say if you're saying it from the position of a peer or even his student in that world. Yeah. And um, love. Exactly. I mean, she loves her son. Exactly. And and show that, that, that she cares about him. And, you know, perhaps even get to the place where she says, look, I'm, I am concerned that what you're doing will make you desensitized. Mm -hmm. And just as I don't want to feed you junk food all the time, I don't want to feed your mind and your heart and your soul junk food that will guide you to be something different. I think that's so good. And and Taylor, personally, I I hope you don't have to play too many of these torture games. (laughs) I feel like that's another form of torture itself. But thank you so much for sharing your question, Taylor. And be sure to circle back to us and let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear. And for everyone else, you can find links to all of our resources at askthemediatrician.org, including the Clinic for Interactive Media and Internet Disorders, which Michael leads at Boston Children's Hospital, and he sees a lot of gamers there. Remember, you can connect with our mediatrician on Twitter, at mediatrician. You can submit your own question at askthemediatrician.org. And finally, please, please make sure that you subscribe and share this podcast. Enjoy your video gaming. Don't worry if you don't win, but use it wisely and model using it wisely to your son. And enjoy your son. You are raising him wisely. Ask the Mediatrician is hosted by Dr. Michael Rich. Joined by pediatrics educator Christelle Lavalley. Jill R. Cavanaugh is our Chief Knowledge Officer. Original music composed by Christopher Cerf. Podcast and music recorded, mixed, and edited at Saturn Sound Studios. Executive producer, Alicia Haywood. Hey,